Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Today is Father's Day. It is about Father's Day. And before I get into the meat of the sermon, I wanted to remind us about fatherhood. It's very clear. 2 Corinthians 6.18 is one example, but there are many, many scriptures all throughout the Old and the New Testament. I should do a study and find out how many times the word father is in the Bible, in Greek, in Hebrew, in Aramaic. But here in this scripture, it's going to be clear. God the Father says to us, and I will be your father. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Says the Lord Almighty. He is your father today. Today, being Father's Day is a moment for us to say, thank you, Father, for all that you have sent to me. Thank you, Father, for being so good to me. Amen? God provides, God protects, God blesses you, just like a real father. He's up there in heaven looking down at his children. We are his children. We need to remind ourselves how it felt to be so excited when we're out on the playground with dad, to be playing sports with dad, to be going out to, to spend time with dad, for dad to lift us up and hold us like this image behind me. God wants you to be so excited. We need to be coming to him as his children. The word says as his sons and his daughters. Amen? Amen. As Pat alluded to, there is a number of problems with our country, with the world. And fatherless homes is a real issue. And that could be not just not having the father non-available, not having the father completely there with a single family or single mother. But sometimes fathers can be in the home and they aren't filling the role of a father. Or quite the opposite, they're doing worse. And today there's all sorts of images about fatherhood. And even in the church, we have these concepts of fatherhood. And I want to make sure we address some of them, and I want to show you some pictures to get your mind around this. So I want to start with this one. This is one that, that I'm interested in. Do you see this picture? I use this picture at work. I like this picture. Some people believe, some dads believe, I have children so I can be the boss. And they're going to do all the work, and I'm going to be their boss. And you can look at our economy, you can look at business all around, and you can see we have lots of peoples who want to be a boss. They want to be in charge. They want to manage. They want to direct. They want to express their authority. These are bosses. God did not call fathers. God did not call men. God did not even call women to be bosses. You know what he called us to be, church? He called us to be leaders. He called us to be leaders. This picture is a prime example. A leader does not lead from behind and bark orders. A leader leads from the front and sets the example. 
Setting the example is hard. In fact, when you do it well, we have special names for it. We call them innovators. We call them pioneers. We may call them trailblazers, inventors. We put them up on pedestals and call them the greatest thought leaders of our time. God today wants you to rearrange your thinking of what we call these great people because he too has a name for it and it is none of those. We often get confused about bosses and managers and authority. God made it very clear of what a leader is in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ began to redefine leadership. But I don't even like the way we say that. He, when they say redefine, it usually means that we take the old model and we throw it away and we have a brand new model. See, I don't believe Jesus did that. As a matter of fact, he said, I did not come to destroy the law. Right? You heard all this. What he came to do is to be additive, to be accretive, to add on top of and make it better, stronger, more complete. So the old model of leadership, which we're going to talk about today, is still valid, is still useful, is still God's calling to us. Jesus just added a very interesting element. I want to share it. It's simple. You all know it. I just want to remind you. Everything I say today about leadership needs to be cast in the light of Jesus. He came and he said, when I lead from the front, when I lead my people, I will lead them by first serving them. And he added this concept of being a servant leader. And he did it in a very, very interesting way. He said, every time I serve, and my kids, this is, this is the part they get wrong. So kids, when you're listening, Austin, Lance, you can hear me now. My kids love to serve because they hear me talk and preach like this. So they can serve. They just forget the second part. Jesus says, when I serve as a leader, when I serve my people, my brother and my family, when I serve those who don't like me, when I serve the enemies, when I serve my community, when I serve the races that are against me, when I serve everyone, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to complain. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it with love. We got one clap. It's hard to serve with love. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. But Jesus set that model and he did it like this. And so today I want to go back and look at that model where he added servant leadership and servant loving leadership on top of what, what did he, what did he add on top of? What was leadership before Jesus came and added to it? What did it look like? And I tell you, the Old Testament is full of it. Old Testament, you can go in the Old Testament and go to basically any book and you can see one of the big leaders with an L, right? You can see the Abrahams, right? You can see the Josephs, right? You can go in and you can look at the Moseses or today the Joshuas. Not everybody is called to be a leader like that, somebody who's up in front of everyone talking, preaching, being a prophet, being a teacher. Those are giftings and God does call some to those giftings. He calls us all to leadership. And so we've been studying Joshua. And if you want to mind, I'd tell you to encourage you to open up to Joshua chapter 3 again today. I've been in it for a few weeks. And I encourage you to read all of Joshua chapter 3. In Joshua chapter 3, it's very, very interesting. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of my favorite chapters, one of my favorite stories. Right, just a real quick, and I've been recapping it these last couple weeks. But really quickly, the Jewish people were lost in the wilderness for 40 years. People died. They had kids. Some of them passed away. They had grandkids. A whole new generation was like, we got to stop this. We got to do something better. 
Our generation's got to rise up. Sound familiar? It sounds a lot like where we are today in our country. The new generations, we got to be better. And so what we're learning from Joshua is they were ready. They were eager. They were ready to listen to God's call. And yet they came up against not what they thought, not this enemy, not this giant, not this giant battle. They came up first to the Jordan, the Jordan River. Right beyond the Jordan River was the promised land. Everything they had ever been taught. All the stories, all the bedtime stories. They heard about the promised land, the peace, the milk and honey. All of my dreams come true. None of their dreams have been true. None of that was happening in the wilderness. It was right there before them, but the Jordan River was in between them. And there was a leader named Joshua. And a lot of people point to the book of Joshua to talk about Joshua as a leader. And we've done that. Today I want to point to some of the other people in Joshua that often get overlooked. Because I can identify on Father's Day with this type of leadership. In Joshua chapter 3, you'll find this verse. It's a verse I've already spoken about. It's Joshua chapter 3 verse 14. The Bible reads, And those who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So first, real quickly, your Bible uses a different word than those. I want you to just read it. Don't say it out loud. I want you to read it. I want you to think it. In my verse here, I just, I abstracted it. I put the word those in parentheses because those who don't have Bibles are going to be in for a little surprise. Who are these people that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant? The point is leadership is about going ahead. It's about going ahead. It's about moving forward. And there are a group of people that went ahead in Joshua. Heavenly Father, I pray right now. I ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to till some soil. Would allow our lives to be good and fertile for your seed. Father, I pray that your seed would get down inside. That Joshua 3 would begin to speak to us. And we would see new revelation. And Father God, that you would rise up the leaders of your church. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says... Amen. Amen. Let's look at this. I want to read the next verse because it's over and over and over again. You see it four or five times in Joshua chapter 3. You see here, I just want to point out another one. Here's Joshua chapter 3 and 4. It says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and those carrying it, say those carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. So we get a good indication about leadership here. When you're leading, people will follow. If people aren't following, you ain't leading anything. So if you're in the back, I don't know what you're leading. And, when, and, and don't misunderstand me. Being in the back doesn't mean being behind the scenes. There are plenty of people here behind the scenes that we never see that are leading a whole group of other people. But who are those? It's a funny YouTube video just made me think, what are those? Talking about shoes. What are those? Who are those, though? Who are those? We saw them in the first verse. We see them again. Who are those that these people are moving out, that these people are following? Look again. Look again. There's another scripture. There's plenty of them in Joshua. Chapter 3. Here's another one, 15 and 16. But as soon as the feet of those who were carrying, say those who were carrying, the ark for those who are carrying the ark, soon as the feet touched the water at the river's edge, the water 
above that point began backing up a great distance. This was the sermon we've preached for the last two weeks, being in the middle of the Jordan River. The Jordan River splitting. That's what happened for those who haven't heard this story. The Jordan River split. These people, we'll talk about it in a second, they literally went up to the Jordan River. They put their foot in it. It opened up and two million people walked through it. Wow. They walked through it to the other side. And then the people who carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the people who stepped in, they walked to the middle and they stood in the middle. They stood in the middle of the Jordan River with raging, raging flood level waters at a barrier at both sides. There's a wall of water and they're standing there just waiting as the two million people pass them by, holding the Ark of the Covenant. Holding the Ark of the Covenant. Again, for those who missed the previous sermons, the Ark of the Covenant merely represents God's presence. These men were holding God's presence so everyone else could pass. They led into the raging waters. They got to the middle. They went no farther, and they waited until everyone passed. Are you seeing a type of leader here? One real quick thing. For those of you who have been studying with me, for those of you who have been digging in, for those of you who really care about the secrets of the Holy Scriptures, you want to go really deep, I encourage you after the service or through email, ask me why it talks about a great distance. In the King James Version, it uses an actual measurement here, 2,000 cubits. Why? Why does it do that? If you care, ask me. I'm not going to tell you now because I want you to dig in. But who are those? Who are these people, these mystery people carrying the Ark of the Covenant? Who are these people who, who put their foot into the raging flood rivers and it splits out? These people aren't Joshua. This is not the great leader the book is named after. This isn't Moses. This isn't Abraham. This isn't Joseph. This isn't Jacob. This isn't any of the great and mighty people you see in Scripture. Who are these people? Well, those of you who have a Bible already know. It says it in my Bible, it says it in your Bible, it says it in every, from what I could tell, I looked at like 20 different translations just to make sure. Pretty much every translation of the Bible uses the same word. These people are priests. These people are priests. Now, in International Pentecostal Holiness, when we say the word priests, your mind immediately goes to probably the Catholic faith. And you think of people that... Um, do a Sunday morning mass, and you may think about the Roman Catholic Church or the, or the bishop or the pope. You may think about those things. They use that word to represent exactly uh, what many other churches represent as a pastor or as a preacher. And we use these words because the Bible gives us words for them, so we use them as titles. But that is not the point here. The point here is these men were something special. I want to talk today about godly priesthood. I want to talk today about godly priesthood. I'm moving closer because my notes shrunk on the screen. I got to take a look at it here. Godly priesthood. There's a lot of confusion about godly priesthood. An awful lot of confusion. 
There's been situations in the Catholic faith that we're trying to figure out about what a priest is and what their authority is and, and, and how they should be represented. In fact, I was studying the Reformation with my son. Just this, uh, oh, he's here somewhere. He's up there. He's on his phone playing games. But I was studying the Reformation with him, and he was trying to understand the importance of Martin Luther. And he's like, I just don't get it. I'm saying, it's the most important thing I can possibly explain to you. Before Martin Luther, we thought the only one who could hear from God, the only one who could read the words of God, the only one who could be blessed from God, the only one God would listen to was godly priests. No one else. And Martin Luther said, you, you misunderstand scripture. That's not true. We can all be priests. We can all receive God's word. So you receive that. So that feels good. All the Pentecostals shaking their head. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I'm going to throw one on you. I'm going to throw one on you because I put this sermon together and in the back of my mind, my Pentecostal training said this sermon is going to be so easy because I'm going to call out all the men. I'm going to call out all the men and say, all you men of your house, you need to be the priests of your home. The Pentecostal inside me said, that's exactly what I need to say. Get pumped up. Remind them they're all the priests of their homes. And all of you are nodding your heads. Find that in Scripture. I looked real hard because I wanted to put all the verses up. I wanted to show you how all of us men need to be the priests of our homes and how that needs. I, I looked for it. Over and over and over again. I couldn't find it. I found some interesting scriptures, though. I, I found the scriptures that we usually turn to in Colossians or in Ephesians. We hear these scriptures when we talk about marriage. And you hear things about this. And I want to talk about it in a second, but I want to make something very clear before I continue. This message is not just for men. Let me make it extremely clear. Extremely clear. Your husband, your pastor, your Roman Catholic priest, or your pope is not your mediator to God the Father. There is only one mediator to God the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we as believers are supposed to be part of a royal priesthood. All of us need to understand what godly priesthood is about. Now, Lest I skip over it, I will tell you, the Bible does say males have a specific role in the household. They are to be the head of the household. And I don't have a lot of time right now to get into that. This is not a marriage conference. Actually, we're going to do a marriage conference later, and we can maybe discuss those types of things. But right now, what you need to understand, that men do have a specific calling out to initiate leadership in their household. Absolutely, 100%. But do not confuse that with priesthood. We all are called to be royal priests. What is royal priesthood? What is royal priesthood? Well, I want to share you real quick what it talked about in the Bible. It was very clear. Royal priesthood in the Bible, they had three, three dimensions of royal priesthood. It was very important because these are the people who, who went into the presence of God, right? These are the people who went into the temple. Three, three things. I want to make it clear. So all of us need to be aware of this. One, if you are a Christian today, you are called in the royal priesthood, and these things you need to hear about. One, you are, like the royal priest of old, to pray blessings over people. You are to pray blessings over It means you're not to curse them. You're to bless them. You are to bless people. Amen. Your children should watch you bless people. Fathers, you should be blessing people. You should be worshiping and praying, and your children should see you do this. B, the royal priests of that time, they facilitated worship. 
Some of them were worship leaders, as you see Amber do, but not necessarily, they weren't necessarily the, the ones singing. They were the ones facilitating worship in the same way I do. I make sure all of our services have worship. I'm facilitating. I'm making sure that we are having worship. Men, in your homes, you should be facilitating worship. You should ensure that there's worship in your home. And all of us as Christians should be facilitating worship. We should make sure that we are worshiping God, not just on Sunday, amen? And a very, very important part of all the scriptures you've seen so far, a very important privilege of royal priesthood was you got to carry the presence of God. You got to carry the presence of God. You got to carry the presence of God. We need to get a hold of this. We can carry the presence of God. In our homes, out of our homes, when we come and when we go, when we come here, when we go there, or to our schools, our workplace, you today, if you've allowed Jesus Christ into your heart, the Holy Spirit will anoint you with his presence, and you can take his presence anywhere you go, men or women. Again, the men here, fathers, you need to be stepping up, though. Because the Bible points out that you need to lead this. You need to initiate this. You need to make sure you're doing all of these things. And then this scripture happened. So it was those three things. You need to bless, pray blessings over people. You need to worship, facilitate worship. And you need to carry God's presence. And then Joshua chapter 3 happened. There was one more thing these priests need to do. And this is what this whole message is about. Godly priesthood is not about authority. It's not about authority. Godly priesthood is about leadership. You need to lead from the front. Godly leaders need to lead from the front. You need to do what is uncomfortable at times to do. You need to make sure that you are the one that are pushing the family to the next level. You need to make sure that you are pushing your community of friends to the next level. You need to make sure that you are leading your circle on Facebook, your circle on Instagram, your circle in your community at home, your circle at lunch. You are a leader. Man, I got, I'm, just, I'm so excited about this message. Let me get my notes here. I, I was just going to skip them, but no, I, I want to read these to you. I have a few minutes. I'm going to make sure you hear it. All families stand for something. All families, your family, your last name, it stands for something. When you go out among your friends, they think of you. What do you want to be known for, your family? All families have giftings and are called to honor God. What does that look like in your house? How does your family honor God specifically? And more practically, how do you discipline your children? How do you spend free time with your family? What does your family do? What activities are we going to do? What are we going to participate in and what are we not? And why? Men, finances, leisure, goals, ministries, lifestyles, decision-making. You are called to lead in all of these areas. Take initiative. Now, of course, none of this is done without your spouse at your side. For those who are married, those fathers, your spouse needs to be with you. In fact, your spouse probably has way more insight to all of it than you do. More than likely, women are more observant. They typically think about it more. They often pray about it more. It's just true. And so you need to include your wife in all of this. But I haven't found a wife yet who said, I don't want my husband initiating prayer 
I don't want my husband initiating a conversation about our family, about our moral vision. Men, we need to do this. If we fail to lead, we leave those who we love lost in that wilderness, roaming, searching, desperate, hungry for love, longing for direction, desperate for hope. If we fail to lead, friend.
We have to lead our families. We have to lead. How do we lead? How do we lead? Leading is taking initiative from the front in all of those ways that I described. But it is hard. I know it is hard. Let's look back at these scriptures in Joshua chapter 3 real quickly. The Hebrew people needed to progress. They needed to grow. They needed to find their dreams. They were eager to enter the promised land. But first, they had to cross the flood level waters of the Jordan. We talked about this last week. God gave them specific instructions. It was clear in order to cross the priestly leaders had to step into the danger. What if those priests were too afraid to take that first step? Where would we be today? God often provides no solution to our problems until we trust him enough to move ahead with what we know we should do. You lead by moving ahead with what you know you should do. God has already instilled upon you what you should do. Sin is easy. To him that is right and does it not, it is sin. God has called you. He has given you instructions to lead a godly life. Lead. Take initiative. And yes, it will be difficult. You will come around rivers that look like this. You will. And they will scare you to death. The decisions will be uncomfortable. You won't know how to handle it. You will feel unprepared. This is the world we live in. It looks like this spiritually. But this is how we show our love for one another. We trust God. We lay our lives down, the Bible says. We need to go up to these rivers willing to fight this thing off. God says he grants access for our families to the promised land, a place where they are loved not hungry for love, not desperate to look elsewhere. We merely have to put our foot in the river. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, Laura said the end of it. Laura, here's the beginning, verse 2. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Men, understand this is difficult. Our culture, our society, our marriages, parenting, fatherhood, it is difficult. He will be with you in those deep waters. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When the trials and tribulations of life come on you and are way bigger than you ever thought and you wonder how are you going to carry this burden, the Lord says you will not drown. I pray today that the fathers, the men, and all the leaders of this church would get out of the desert and step into the river. We were called to be leaders, church. We were called to be leaders. Godly priesthood, royal priesthood. We need to lead from the front. We need to bless. We need to worship. We need to carry God's presence, and we need to do it while we're serving and with love. Yeah, that's complicated. No one said leadership was easy, or everyone would be one. I want to end today with this special request. Fatherhood. I believe Pentecostals, when they hear about royal priesthood or they hear about priests of the home, some of them are drawn to this particular verse. It's not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament, and it's a soft one for me. 
fatherhood, the scriptures say. Very clearly. Genesis 18, 19. It says, I have singled him. Who's him? He's the father. I have singled him out so that he will direct his children and their families to keep the ways of the Lord by doing what is right and just. If you are not a father today, encourage, encourage a male to be this man. If you are a man today, you do not have children, practice living in the ways of the Lord and doing what is right and just. And if you are a father, recognize from the very beginning of time, God our Father said that He has called us out. Not to put authority over our wives or boss our children, but to lead them by carrying the presence of God everywhere we go. To bless our children, to worship with our children, and to lead them where they do not know how to go. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.